we're in a series called Bad Blood. Uh, all of us have difficult relationships, and uh, this is week three of four. Today's topic is a conversation or a confrontation. I've never done emoji war. Any of you done those? <laughs> I don't do that. But anyway, uh, we're talking about relationships and how important they are, and sometimes they're difficult, and we all have those for different reasons. And we're trying to help you with those, even though I know it's a difficult topic. And today, especially, I'm going to give you some practical things to do, try and make those things better, uh, to make your relationships healthier, and to have more peace in your relationship. <clears throat> I want to start off by talking about an extraordinary example of this, historical example. It's a guy by the name of uh, Mr. Davidson. Uh, this is, took place in Durham, North Carolina, initially in the 60s, and uh, uh, Miss Atwater. He was a leader in the Ku Klux Klan. Could you imagine that in North Carolina in the 60s? And she was a civil rights activist. And they hated each other. They yelled at each other. They cussed at each other. They wished the other person would die. In fact, she, um, she pulled a knife and wanted to attack him one day. And uh, people stopped him. But it stopped her anyway. Um, in 19, I believe it was 1970, the government ordered... <clears throat> or enforced, I guess they ordered it earlier, um, desegregation of the schools. Up until that time, there was black school in Durham and white schools. And so um, that's the situation uh, that was pre presented with these two folks. And I'll tell you a little bit more in a, in a minute. But we'll show you, there's a book written about it and also a, a documentary. We'll show you a preview of the documentary. Durham, North Carolina, 1970. A city torn apart by racial issues. Two lives connect and form a bond of friendship that gives hope to a diverse community. Don't miss the touching story of civil rights activist Ann Atwater and former Klan leader C.P. Ellis as they recall their feelings and the events that led to an unlikely friendship. Anyway, we'll fast forward to 2005. Mr. Atwater, I mean, Mr. Uh, Davidson dies. <clears throat> And Miss Atwater was asked to do his eulogy. She shows up at the funeral home. <clears throat> she gets there early. And the folks working there at the new funeral home came up to her and said, Hey, uh, ma'am, can I help you? Obviously, you're in the wrong place. Uh, this is the funeral for Mr. Uh, <clears throat> Davidson. And she, she said, No, I'm in the right place. She said, Well, it's, it's family only. Are you family? She said, Yes. He's my brother. From... From the 60s to 2005, and I'll fill you in a little bit more about how that happened in a minute. But when we hear stories like that, it, it, it's beautiful, isn't it? And hopefully it brings a little hope to whatever situation you have, no matter how bad it seems. I don't think it's probably as bad as that, whether it's with an ex-spouse or a sibling or a parent or a child or maybe some, somebody at work or, or hopefully... Not, but maybe here, someone here in, in the church community. So a little review. We started with this, this verse that Romans, in Romans that Paul shares. And Paul was an expert on bad relationships. <laughs> he was on one side hating all of Jesus' followers, and then he switched sides. And so uh, he had bad blood at one point with everybody. <clears throat> so here's the verse. He says, if it is possible, meaning it's not always possible, but your goal is to make it possible, as far as it depends on you, meaning you can only do what you can do and you need to do as much as you can do because the goal is to live at peace with everyone because our lives are better 
It's in our best interest, right? Our lives are better when we're at peace. <clears throat> but it's not always possible, so we said this. You can have peace about the relationship. You can do everything you can and say, well, I'm at peace. I've done everything I can, even without peace in the relationship. And sometimes the relationships will go better, but they'll never get back to that place they once were. The first week we talked about the path to peace is paved with empathy. <clears throat> we say that's like taking a long walk around to see things from the other person's perspective, from their side. And it always looks different from over there, right? It looks different to them than it looks to us. So a good place to start, if you want to try and make peace, is to seek empathy, seeing it from their perspective. And last week, we talked about forgiveness then is the vehicle to move you down the path. Okay, I'm trying to see it from their perspective. Now, I'm going to offer forgiveness, and that hopefully is going to, to move things down, progress to peace. Now, we said, unfortunately, it doesn't happen overnight. It isn't instantaneous. Uh, it's a process. It takes time, and we'll talk about <laughs> how many times in a few minutes, and we talk about something that Peter asked Jesus. So, our goal then is to forget the debt, whether it's big, little, whose fault, doesn't matter, just forgive the debt. We are not allowed not to forgive. Uh, Jesus said, just forgive us, I have forgiven you, he's given us everything, we forgive everybody else. Case closed. Then we talked about taking the first step. Whatever the first step might be for you, it may be something different. Someone was talking to me about, uh, uh, after the first service, they had uh, relatives that had died. And so, actually, their therapist instructed them to write letters to them and eventually tear them up and burn them. thought that was pretty cool. So that was really helpful to her. For you, it may be to to write a letter. It might be to make a phone call. Uh, The best thing to do is face-to-face uh, have a meeting with that person. That's what we're going to talk about today. Have a conversation. Back to, the, to these folks, uh, Mr. Davison and Ms. Atwater. In 1971, I think it was the mayor of Durham, wherever it was, formed a task force to deal with the integration of schools. And both of them were concerned. The, back, the white and black schools, neither one were very good. So they set up a two-week task force, eight hours a day, five days a week for two weeks. And he asked these two folks to chair the task force. So they were forced to have eight-hour conversations for 10 days straight. That began the beginning of, once they learned to hate, now they were learning to love and care for each other. Now, they were forced to do this. The problem is with you and I, nobody's forcing us, are they? In your bad blood relationships, nobody's forcing you. Maybe your spouse, but uh, nobody else is forcing you to have this conversation. But if you're a Jesus follower, and if you're not, we're just delighted that you're here. We think these principles will work for you, but you can ignore them if you want. But as a Jesus follower, we're going to look at Jesus' instructions, specific instructions, how to deal with bad blood relationships. And you do, we just can't say, oh, sorry, Jesus, I'm not paying attention to that. Besides, this is what's best for us if we have the wisdom uh, to listen and the courage to follow through. So we're going to look at two things Jesus said because there's two perspectives on the, on the bad blood relationships, right? So in Matthew 18, he's talking about if a brother or sister, obviously, 
if someone sins against you. So if you're, you're the recipient of the wrong. You've been hurt. Somebody has mistreated you. That's one situation. You're on the receiving end of the bad blood, right? Um, what should you do? Let me give you some, je- some suggestions. I'll share it in your small group as a prayer request. Now, if you're not in a small group, small groups sometimes get in this kind of this weird mode where we <laughs> start sharing all this stuff that maybe we shouldn't share with. Now, some of it we should, but that's not where you should start in your bad blood relationship. We'll talk about what's, what's appro- appropriate later. Or how about this one? Vaguely post about it on social media. You know, you don't give the details, but you give enough so everybody kind of knows what you're talking about anyway, and you're, you know, you're probably saying something negative about that person. Now, that's not what Jesus said either. And here's one of our favorites, all of us, I know. Eat all the ice cream you want because it's your only friend left. Now, some of us are salty people, not sweet people. I am one of those. So for me, it would be a bag of chips, and you can figure out which one it is for you or both, maybe. All right. Uh, comfort food, right? And we have bad, bad blood relationship. But does it really, it, well, obviously, it doesn't help the relationship, does it? So what does Jesus say to do? If your brother or someone sins against you, you do what? You go, okay? You go, all right? Pretty simple, two-letter word, not so easy to do, but this is what you and I need to do. If I have a bad blood relationship where somebody has hurt me, I am to go. Now, what do we want to do? Well, they need to come to me, right? Not as a Jesus follower. If you're a Jesus follower, no, 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 no. You always are responsible for taking the initiative. So you're to go. And he gives us specific things to do. He says, uh, tell him or her what he did, or they did without other people hearing it. So you do it in private first. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother back. You've, you've restored the relationship. That's wonderful. Now, that doesn't always happen, though, right? So Jesus understands that, and he says, okay. But if they don't listen to you, Take one or two other people with you. Now, this is, again, between two Jesus followers. Um, could be a little bit different if it's some other situation. Um, every word can be remembered, the two of the, or three who heard. So there's accountability and no, no chance to be uh, misunderstood. If we, they will not listen to them, then tell the trouble to the church. And this doesn't usually happen. It can happen, should happen. I don't think the church has really very, done very well at this through the years. So Jesus gives us teaching, okay? You've been the recipient of harm. You go by yourself first and take other people and try and get this fixed. Now, the next thing that comes up, and we didn't, I don't have it on the screen here. The next thing is Jesus asked, Peter asked Jesus a question. He says, um, okay, uh, sounds like I'm supposed to forgive these people. How many times should I forgive them? And Peter suggests something to Jesus. He said, how about seven times? <clears throat> the law said you had to do it three times. So Peter was being really generous. He said, ah, I'm going to show Jesus how generous I am. I'll say seven times. <laughs> and most of you know what Jesus' response was, right? Seventy times seven. Meaning basically you don't keep track, right? There is no limit. There is no <laughs> place where you stop forgiving. So no matter how many times that person has wronged you or hurt you, <laughs> as a Jesus follower, I'm going to go to them and say, hey, I, I'd like to fix this. What can we do to fix this? Um, so we're going to try and answer three questions for you this morning. Why should I go? When should I go? And how should I go? 
the other place Jesus addresses this, and it's from the other perspective, is in the Sermon on the Mount. This is in the beginning of the New Testament. First book of the New Testament is Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' followers. And uh, right at the beginning, we have this, this amazing sermon that Jesus preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There's so much stuff in there. We could just study that forever. <laughs> uh, if we had, that's all the Bible we had, we'd be good. All right, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle of this, or near the beginning, he addresses this topic. But before that, he talks about, you know, you had the Old Testament, you had the law. Um, that was your Bible back then. He says, you know, it says not to commit adultery. And uh, you probably feel pretty good about that because you don't do that. But Jesus says, no, 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 you don't misunderstand the intent of the law. The law is not even to lust after someone in your heart. And then he gets to another example in the New Testament, uh, I mean in the uh, Ten Commandments, it says, don't kill. Uh, you've heard that men were told long ago, you must not kill another person. If someone does kill, he'll be guilty and be punished for his wrongdoing. And so most people in his audience, just like most of us, have never literally killed somebody. So we're feeling pretty good, right? There's two of those commandments I've kept. Now, again, Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. You're, you're feeling self-righteous. You're feeling really good because you haven't done this, but you really haven't kept the spirit of this commandment. The spirit is, is much more difficult for us. And he explains what he means. He says, I tell you that whoever is angry, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I get angry a lot. <laughs> angry with his brother will be guilty. Now I'm not feeling so self-righteous. I'm not feeling so good about myself. And have to suffer wrongdoing. Whoever says to his brother, you have no brains. You're an idiot. All right? Oh, man, I've been there, done that, especially driving sometimes. Uh, well, you have to stand in front of the court. And whoever says, you fool, will be sent to the fire of hell. I, yeah, I've, I, I've done that too. So Jesus said, it's not enough to just have physical self-control. He said, you, you, you and I need to have thought control and emotion control. That's way more difficult. That's way harder to do, right? So after he says this, all right, we're all guilty of probably both those commandments, even though we might have thought we weren't. Then he says this. If you take your gift to the altar. Now let me kind of back up and explain a little bit about this. In Judaism in that day, uh, where was the altar? How many were there? There was one. Where was it? It was in a temple in Jerusalem, okay? So no matter where you lived all over the world, but we'll just say you just lived in Israel, where Jesus was in Galilee, it was like 90 miles to Jerusalem. So that's a long ways to go on foot, right? And so normally once a year, you would make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, get in line, bring your gift, your offering, uh, sacrifice, to pay for your sins for that year, okay? So this was a huge, big deal. This is like the most important day of the year. The day, the time you get to go to, into the temple and offer your sacrifice for your sins for that year. Okay, once a year. And here was their thinking. In order to connect with God, they had to make things right with God. So I want to reconnect or continually connect with God. So for the last year, I've done this, 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 and this. I'm going to offer this sacrifice and, and God and I are going to be good. All right, so this is a big deal. So that's the situation. You made your one trip to Jerusalem and you're standing there in line. And then he says this. <clears throat> and you remember your brother has something against you. Meaning you've caused the bad blood. All right? 
You've hurt someone. Now here's what he says to do. You leave your gift on the altar or at the altar in the temple. In this case, it's your fault, my fault. All right, I've done something wrong. I've hurt somebody. Now I was trying to get the sense of this, help you with the sense of this. Imagine this. This is your yearly vacation trip. And a lot of you have kids. Maybe you're going to Disney. So you got your your plane tickets, you've got your uh, hotel reservations, you've got your tickets to Disney, and you all set, you fly off, you get, it, get into Orlando, you get into, check into your hotel room, and all of a sudden you remember, oh, I've done something to somebody else. I've hurt somebody. Uh, there's some bad blood in this relationship. Now, you remember back then they didn't have planes and they didn't have cell phones, right? Uh, so the only way was to go back. So what Jesus is saying, you get back on the plane, you fly back home, and you have a meeting, a conversation with this person. Now, when you hear that story, what are you thinking? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I'd never do that. Well, that's exactly the sense that Jesus wants these folks to get. This is that important. They would think it was ridiculous. You and I would think it was ridiculous. But Jesus, this is more important than anything else. In fact, in his case, it's more important than making things right with me is that you make, right th- make things right with others. So, first question, why should you go? Other than the fact that Jesus tells you to go. <laughs> uh, before making things right with God, this is on your outline, <clears throat> you have to make right, things right with others. God says, okay, we're, you know, we're okay. We have this relationship. Our relationship's okay. You need to fix this relationship. Uh, side-to-side relationship. Um, so th- he says to do what? He says to go. All right? So I'm going to quiz you here. I'm going to ask you two questions I want you to answer. All right? So when somebody's done you wrong, somebody has hurt you, they've caused the bad blood, what are you supposed to do? Let's try that again. When somebody else has hurt you, what are you supposed to do? But aren't they supposed to come? Now, when I've hurt somebody else, what am I supposed to do? So if they hurt me, I go. And if I hurt them, I go. Not very complicated, is it? You don't have to try and figure it out. There's bad blood. You go. All right? Pretty simple. You don't have to worry about who's at fault, trying to figure out who's at fault, casting blame. Don't have to do that. In fact, you need to ask Pray to God and say, do I need to go? Do you need to pray that prayer? No, he's already told you to go. (laughs) You don't need to ask God something that he's already told you to do, okay? Now, you need to pray maybe about how to go, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you don't have to pray about going. All right. When should I go? So when you've been wronged, somebody's caused you bad blood, hurt your leg. You take the first step. We just talked about it. You go, right? Should you ask advice? Not about if I should go. No, 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 no. Jesus already told us to go. But you can ask advice about exactly when and how. Uh, That's fine. And also, when you've been, you've wronged, you take the first step and go. So I'll get back to what Jesus said. Go and make right what is wrong between you and him. 
So I'm going to go. I'm going to have this conversation. And I'm going to seek to ha- make peace and have peace in this relationship. And then how should I go? We're going to spend the most time on this. How should I go? Well, you, in this in the second case especially, you, you need to go confessing. Admitting. But even if, you know, most of the blame was on the other party, I can go confessing. I mean, it takes two to tango, right? So I'm sure I did something. So try and figure out what I've done. Confess what you've done. Of course, if you've wronged the person, it's, you know, obvious. So when you've been wrong, we'll go back to this again, you take the first step and forgive. Even though it might be their fault, you know, they initiated it and they're... They're not forgiving you. You take the first step and forgive. That was last week. You can catch up on that if you missed it. When you've wronged, you take the first step and repent. I know it's kind of a Bible word, but it's a really powerful concept. Repent means to turn around. So I've done you wrong, now I'm going to do you right. Okay, I'm going to, I messed it up, now I'm going to fix it. And, And repent's not, oh, I'm so sorry that upset you. No, 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 no. It's, you are sorry, okay? You don't uh, judge their feelings. <clears throat> uh, this is true repentance. I am sorry, and we always teach couples this, and even if you, know, you, you have a good relationship with your spouse, like my wife and I do, we practice this. When I have come to my wife and ask repent, I ask her to forgive me, and then I put the onus on her to respond, all right? And so we've been doing this for a long time, and, and we say, of course I do. But uh, that is, the, the second step is so important, especially in, in, in close relationships. You know, I, I'm sorry, uh, will you please forgive me and have the other person respond? So give me, let me give you three steps to repentance. First, take full responsibility for your wrong. All right? Just take your responsibility. Uh, Heard one preacher say, you know, just always take the blame. What difference does it really make? I thought, that's really cool. I, I, try, and, I try and do that. But take full, full responsibility for your wrong, even you know, for the stuff that you've done wrong. Secondly, make no excuse uh, for your behavior. Sometimes when I'm kind of nasty or not very nice to my wife, she'll ask me, do you have, I have a headache? <laughs> and I said, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But in recent years, what I say to her, that's no excuse. doesn't matter if I have a headache. I shouldn't be unkind to you. As I told her this morning, driving to church, you're the love of my life, okay? So um, I, I shouldn't be unkind to you. No excuses. And if, thirdly, lay out a plan for change. I had this ex- kind of a negative experience back when I first started pastoring. Uh, there was a, a lady and her husband attending our church. Her dad was a pastor in North Carolina. And uh, we were, they were having some trouble and I was counseling them. And, and late, later on, she accused me of betraying a confidence sharing something they had told me in counseling, and then eventually left the church. We did visit her dad's church once when we were in North Carolina. But anyway, from that time on, I had a plan to make sure I don't ever share anything from counseling with somebody outside of there, except for my wife. And I always ask, and if we've done counseling for you, hopefully we did this, if my wife wasn't there. She's there most of the time now. But somebody shares with something with me, I always ask, can I share this with my wife? And almost always they say yes. All right, of course, then she keeps it as a confidence. So have a plan in your repentance. So back to Matthew, what Jesus is saying. 
Make it right between you and them. Then come back and give your gift. All right? Then you can fly back to, <laughs> back to Orlando. Uh, go back to the altar. Because, right? again, God says, hey, you and I are cool. You need to fix this other thing. And so in your outline, we put it this way. Reconciliation requires us to turn a confrontation into a conversation. And I understand this is hard. Uh, but we want to make it a safe place, this relationship. Now, I know the pushback. I'm not good at confrontation. None of us are good at confrontation. None of us like us. You ever met somebody who was good at conversation that liked it? You don't want to be around them, all right? I'm just telling you. So, it's not a point of not being good at it or not, or not liking it. I kind of compare it to this. You ever done a remodel project? It's <clears throat> your house. A couple things always happen. First, it always costs more than you think, right? I built a deck. I told them at the permit office. By the way, I submitted for the permit for our, our pavilion out here. This, submitted it this week. So a couple weeks, hopefully, we'll have a permit. So uh, uh, it always costs more than you think. I told them 30000 Hopefully, it's not going to cost more than 30000 uh, My deck, I said 5000 It costs between seven and 8000 <clears throat> It always takes longer than you think, right? Some of you have projects you still haven't finished. I do. All right, so I know about this. And then there's always some tools you need that you don't have. Or you break a tool, or you break a saw blade or something. So you always got to run and, and, and get something else. Same thing in, in these uh, um, <clears throat> fixed tr- or attempts to fix bad blood relationship. It's going to take costs more than you think. Emotionally, time, it's going to take longer than you think. We think, oh, well, just one conversation will be fixed. Most of the time that doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. And then you need tools. And one of those tools is why we say circles are better than rows and we don't want you all to be in a small group because you do need, and we're going to talk about this next week, you need to have somebody help you through these things. All right? Their wisdom. Uh, the other thing, uh, and we're going to talk about this next week too, is where's the, is there a boundary? Is, <laughs> do I just keep doing this, keep doing this, keep doing this? No. Wisdom says you need to have boundaries. But again, that's next week. So three steps to repentance and we'll be finished. First, go immediately, all right? Bible talks about don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So that's basically less than a 24-hour time frame. Now, we tell couples if they're, you know, getting too heated, take a break for an hour or two. But agree on how long it's going to be and then come back together. So keep short accounts. Uh, secondly, mm, go directly, all right? Who is the first person you want to tell when you have a bad blood relationship? And the answer is anybody else but that person, right? Because it's difficult. It's hard. We don't like confrontation. But no, we need to keep it between the two of you. And thirdly, go humbly. That means, we're trying to make it positive, you might not be right. <laughs> All right? The other way of saying that's you're wrong. Okay? Now, I believe that when you go... Um, especially that other person has harmed you, it's okay to say, you know, that, that hurt me. But I want to make this right. What can I do? Be open and honest. And God demonstrates this in his relationship with us. He could have said, oh, my relationship with you is like a, a boss to an employee. Um, I don't know how much that we, we could relate to that. But what did he say his relationship with us was like? 
It was like a father, a loving, perfect, heavenly, loving father to his child. And those of you who are parents with more than one child like I have, what do you want most of all for your kids? You want them to get along, don't you? And one of the hardest things is to see when your kids don't get along. And so God's no different. He said, you and I are good. Make things good with your siblings. Make, make things good with, with one another. So I end with this. Making peace with others clears the path to peace with God. Not from God's side, but from our side. So don't wait. <laughs> go immediately, go directly, and go humbly. Uh, hope you can join us next week as we uh, finish up this series. We'll pray and have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you that uh, this is such an important topic. You give us clear instructions. Now, again, it's not easy for us to do, and it doesn't always fix it, but thank you, God, that, that uh, we know what to do. So we pray for, now we have the wisdom. We pray for the courage to actually do this. We also pray that the, the relationships, if they wouldn't be completely fixed, that they would, they would improve. Um, there would be less bad blood. Uh, as always, God, I want to pray for anyone here that may be uh, trying to decide about becoming a Jesus follower, that at least they would stake, make a step in that direction uh, or even possibly step across that line. So yes, I'm committing to a Jesus follower, whatever that might mean, whatever that, that might look like. Uh, we thank you for any decisions that are made here this morning. Hopefully all of us to uh, confront the bad blood and, and make a conversation in Jesus' name. Amen.